Welcome to The Art Career, a space breaking barriers by letting you sit in on candid, straightforward conversations with leading art professionals in visual arts, writing, music, theater, and film. I'm your host, Emily McElreath, and I invite you to join me for inspirational conversations with icons of our generation. We dive deep into topics like self-development, career trajectories, mental health, social justice, and the artists that have changed our lives. With each episode, our mission is to empower you, expanding your journey through the arts. Join us for new episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. The Art Career is thrilled to announce its partnership with Glimpse. Glimpse Guides are a collection of luxury guidebooks with an outstanding social mission we are proud to support. Featuring the best of hotels, restaurants, activities, and itineraries, For each featured city, Glimpse Guides also include recommendations and travel tips by a curated selection of tastemakers. The most exciting part of Glimpse Guides is 100% of their profits go to Give a Glimpse, which provides funding for educational travel scholarships for underserved students. What is better than that? Glimpse believe that travel is the most important form of education, and it is their mission to send as many deserving students abroad as possible. Glimpse also offers luxury trip design services with VIP perks like early check-in, room upgrades, restaurant and spa credits, welcome gifts, and more. Glimpse has quickly become our one and only travel planner. Go check them out at glimpseguides.com. And tell founder Jordan Rhodes that the Art Career Podcast sent you. When Houston-born jewelry designer Will Schott sought to revolutionize eternally classic design for this genderless fine jewelry brand, the unique result immediately graced the necks of fashion and music industry influencers alike, including Rihanna, ASAP Rocky, Luca Sabat, Miley Cyrus, and collaborations with brands such as Gucci, Midnight Studios, and many more. Shots www.willshot label has attained unforeseen heights with his recognizably glacial jewelry embellishing a number of runway shows, as well as the most highly curated stores worldwide. Dismantling traditional notions of jewelry, has led Will to expand his brand to include fine art. In September 2022, Schott opened a gallery space in the street-facing room of his jewelry shop in Chinatown. For each exhibition, Schott collaborates with the artists to make a unique limited-edition piece of jewelry. Will's unique aesthetic encompassing the worlds of fine art, fashion, and music has created a welcome and necessary addition to New York's gallery scene. Hi, Will. Hello, Emily. Nice to see you. It's a pleasure. We are in your space in Chinatown. Chinatown, the corner of Henry and Pike. I was just, as I was reading your bio, trying to remember who turned me on to you and we we met during Tully's show just recently. Right? I think we met originally at Laurie Simmons' opening um, out front of 56 Henry, but I think we had been right. internet acquaintances for a short time previously. All right. So I think, you know, anytime there is an intersection, whether it be jewelry, fashion, writing, and the art world, It's very interesting to me. And because the art career doesn't only focus on fine art anymore, it's really great when I can bring on a guest that kind of like dances in that intersection and yours is jewelry and fine art. I am very impressed by you, what you do as an entrepreneur. Um, from one entrepreneur to another. I know how hard it is. 
I see what you've done. Um, and I just kind of want to start from, you know, the beginning and walk us through, you know, how you started in this industry. You're from Houston. Yeah, I'm from outside Houston, um, kind of where like the suburbs meets the country. And um, yeah, so I went to art school in Houston and was how I kind of got started in jewelry was when I was in art school, I was doing sculpture and painting as my studies. And and then I started working for this really fantastic concert promotion company that was really young. It was owned by kids my age, but we were doing all the like mo there was this time and mostly in hip hop where it was like J. Cole, Wiz Khalifa, Mac Miller. ASAP Rocky, all these people were kind of starting at once. And they had started this concert promotion company where um, they just got in really early with these artists and then grew with the artists as they grew. And so the company got big quite fast from doing small shows mm -hmm. to stadiums. And um, because it was just run by people my age and it was this really young grassroots company there was a lot of like access to artists and it was my way to have access to like a real art scene being in houston texas and um because there's great museums in houston and there's great like music and stuff but there isn't like the most young contemporary art scene because there's not a lot of great art schools or anything and um so anyway while i was working there i was backstage just every day at all these different shows and as the artists started to make more money and we were paying them more money for the shows and whatnot i just saw over and overhand again the um the like transfer of money it would be like us give mac miller twenty thousand dollars for the shows he turns directly around to the jeweler and gives them 20 or 40 or something like even more money and maybe he's you know and these guys are just spending tons of money backstage on jewelry because Houston has this like really prominent hip hop jewelry culture. The grills from Paul Wall and Johnny Dang and lots of people just like it's kind of like a it's like getting a Rolex buying jewelry in Houston. Were you into jewelry before this or were you like, aha? I mean, we've all, like when I was young, you like went to the mall and got like a silver chain and like wore it to junior high and stuff and was just like, oh, you know, and. So I've always been like, I've always really like appreciated luxury in that way. It was just like things that are unattainable that I couldn't have and whatnot. And, um, but because I was really like trying to figure out what kind of art I wanted to make while I was in school, it really helped me or inspired me to make it because I was like, wow, these guys are spending like $20,000 or something. And they're getting like their teeth done. So someone's just like making a mold of their teeth and like covering in a diamond. It's like it's like cake decoration. It's actually not very like involved when it comes to design or, or maybe they're getting their logo done. But it's like you hand the guy the logo and they just like make it. So it wasn't like they were buying original designs from these jewelers. They were they were commissioning their own jewelry through these jewelers. And so I was like, well, this is like a perfect time for someone to do like a line of original design and try, try and place it on artists versus doing commission-based jewelry. And this is when a lot of people were starting these young internet brands on Instagram and stuff that were selling, you know, people were having a lot of success. If they could get a t-shirt on a lot of people, Instagram was just so young that it really like worked. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of like young kids who were my friends or peers who were some of them would have like a hit t-shirt that would make a hundred grand overnight or something. And it was just really the like grandioseness of all of that was like super alluring versus just like making some art and like not being connected to any galleries in New York and like being like, what am I going to do with this? It's going to go on the thesis show. That's it or something. And so that's just not what, so I ended up being inspired elsewhere than the painting and the sculpture. Um, and and I and and because of the job I had and the access to artists I had and literally the first thing I made three days later was on stage on Kendrick Lamar for the whole rest of the tour. And and then it just worked like that at one after the other. Every artist, it was very easy to get them to wear it. And 
where were you making your jewelry? Did you have like a little, I know nothing about the industry. Right. So <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm going to start my own jewelry line. You're in Houston. You rent a space. How does that Well, happen? no, no, no. So I, it, it worked out pretty well for me. I mean, I just kind of, so I transitioned from sculpture to jewelry, like kind oh, of like, right. So I actually like went to my school and was like, how do I make this piece? I know exactly what I want to make. Kendrick Lamar will be here in two weeks. Like, how do we get it done? And they were like, oh, no, you have to like go to all these intro class. Like, we can't just like tell you how to make this thing. Like, like yes, we're a school. And they so they were very unhelpful. And I basically dropped out and started just spending money with jewelers. But the way I started making jewelry was because I was learning sculpture and, 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 you know, working with my hands in school, I started by hand carving Jade and then got introduced to a jeweler who would set it in gold for the necklace or whatever. So I was hand carving the faces in Jade in the beginning. And there were all these like Jesus pieces. Um, I called them like hip hop medallions. And basically through through that endeavor, I had now like this jeweler who was being really sweet to me and like kind of acting as a mentor and helping me get my ideas out really quickly because I had like the ability to place them really quickly. Mm -hmm. And so because I had the access, I wasn't even interested anymore to how to like really become like this like jeweler who sits behind a bench and makes everything piece by piece or whatever oh, and let's just pause for a second about like the school story you just told i'm obviously not you know knocking going to school i have a master's degree right and sure. i'm very happy i do but in some situations it's like this is a perfect fucking example if you had been like okay let me start with jewelry 101, you know, uh -huh. all of these opportunities would have passed you by. Exactly. Possibly, I, right. Right. Ostensibly, I needed to take advantage of these things. That moment was just a very important moment yes. to and take I, advantage of. I think success oftentimes is knowing when the moment is right. happening. It's like LeBron James having to go to college. It would, he didn't need it. He right. was ready for the NBA right out of high right. school. Like right. it would have, he could have got hurt. He could have messed every. So it's for just sure. like, you have to jump when you can. Okay. So you're working with this jeweler. You're giving him a cut. I'm paying him. Paying I'm working in a restaurant that. and I'm paying all these guys out of pocket to get my ideas made. And then I'm mostly not selling them. I'm just giving them away to all these artists, which they really appreciate. And I get what I want out of it is that instant gratification of the photo of them on stage wearing it. And that's all I needed. I was like, I'll work in the restaurant as long as I can do this because it's so gratifying. And you're promoting your brand. Right. And I was trying to sell them. They were just in the beginning these hand carved things that took me like 25 hours to carve. So I was like trying to sell them for like $1,500 or more. And you just, I just needed to like figure out how to like make the market work. So eventually I learned how to like make some price pointed things that I could sell online much easier. So it's just like a whole learning process because I had no idea what I was doing, but I was getting this instant gratification of the placement that that was really all I needed to keep going. And then you knew enough about marketing yourself to immediately be like, okay, this is happening. I'm in this moment right now. I'm going to start putting it out there. And right. Yeah. It was just about, and I don't know that it was so contrived. I think I, I would have loved to like hit it big or something and because of my mark, but I really was just like making the pieces and getting like these weird photos that I would either steal from the internet or I would take like on my iPhone. There was never like photo shoots or like thought out at all. And I think um, I think that it worked for me because um, people were definitely not like thinking I was like going to run off with like all this money by getting some photo of them. They were like, this kid's just like an artist like us. Yeah. Like it's all like easy and chill. It wasn't like, whoa, how did nike get that photo of me and they didn't even pay me like i should you know there was never like any a way someone could feel slighted and yeah all right so this is very interesting so you do this when do you come to new york so i started 
I started traveling when I became really good friends with a lot of kids in the ASAP mob. And so like Rocky and Ferg and all these kids who lived in Harlem, when they had their first concert in Texas, I was like their point man on the bus just hanging out. And they were like, oh, you're in art school, you're a painter, da, da, da. You should meet um, Jay West, this kid who was just like part of their crew, who was a painter. He was like, oh, without even meeting him, like just because of like the cosign of his friends being like, you should meet him. He was like, yeah, come to New York. You can stay at my mom's house. It'll be sick. So I started coming like quite often. Okay. And and I had started to meet a lot of people. We started going to like Basel in like 2011 Miami and uh, just like running around and just going to like Virgil DJ gigs and, you know, running around with ASAP Yams and this, that and the other. And so I ended up meeting an artist named Trouble Andrew, who is the first artist I had in the new gallery. But to keep the story going, he just had a studio in New York and let me come stay at it just like Jay West did for a while. So I would come in back and forth. And then one time he said, why don't you just stay and you can just stay in my studio and not, you know, really pay me for a couple of months and try and just figure it out. And um, so I just never went home and and I ended up living in his studio for like over four years. <laughs> and because it was which was so, so perfect for me and such a blessing. I think it would have been such a tragedy if I had moved to New York and had bills. I had no bills, but I was living in squalor, but like I had no bills. And so it meant I could just run around every night and do whatever I wanted. And I had no responsibility, but I really became, you know, immersed in like nightlife, New York culture. He was a very successful artist. So, and 10 years older than me. So had a full network of friends. So people were constantly coming in and out of his studio. I was hanging out with like, I just instantly had a whole network in New York by living in his studio for four years. And, um, so he's really like a godsend and like my brother. And um, that's how I got to New York was through the, you know, through friends. And I think, you know, time and time again, we hear these stories such as that where like you're in is someone just being really kind and generous and. Right. Well, and I, for I forgot to mention, I guess the way it kind of worked out in the beginning was he wanted to make like. 50 necklaces yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll make the necklaces for you. And I basically won't charge you like anything. Like I'll do it for like what it costs me, but you have to let me like come to New York as much as I want and like stay in your studio. And that's how that eventually turned into him telling me to sure. move out there. But that's how we started kind of working together. And then those pieces ended up being pieces that changed my whole life. He ended up there. They were called Gucci ghosts and he ended up, you know, a couple years, like a year later or something like that, getting this gig at Gucci where his Gucci ghost, like whole art project became this massive Gucci collaboration. And then, and when he flew to, to uh, Rome for the first time to meet Alessandro, I was like, Oh my God, we have like three left of these Gucci ghost necklaces. Like give, give them to like whoever is important over there. Like mm -hmm. Alessandro or whoever the case, I, I don't even know but do that. And he came back and was like, oh yeah, Alessandro loves that. I think we're gonna do jewelry. And then it ended up being this 111 piece jewelry collection with Gucci and it changed my whole career. I ended up getting a sales agent so I could start wholesaling my own line, I, which gave me money. You know, I could start like have my own apartment. I finally moved out of the studio. Like it changed my whole life and jump-started my whole career. And how long ago was that? That was like 20, 16, 2017, 2018. Okay. And it lasted quite a while because it was such a success being that it was a silver jewelry line. So it was like a price pointed jewelry line yep. that Gucci hadn't done in a long, long time. And and then, you know, it's these things are always weird, like getting paid from these big companies or whatever, but they really took care of me. And one of the ways they did was they paid me to DJ all the openings of the collection worldwide. So I had I had to get a passport. I had never left the country before. And so I, they flew you around for three months, Stop. first class, all five star hotels, did and I went to every like you country the, you could go to. Did you just think you were the coolest person in the world? Because you kind of were. It for was those three the, it was the funnest. It oh. was one of the funnest parts of 
the whole journey and and I didn't even know how to DJ. I just told them <laughs> I did. Stop it. I just told them I did because I wanted to be a DJ in New York. I thought that was a good way to be well, able to- stop it. I thought it was a great way to be able to drink for free. And so like, you're like, Gucci, fly me first class all over the world and I'm going to DJ and you didn't know how to DJ. Exactly. It's the best thing I've ever they heard. They paid me to learn. And I knew enough to like play music. And luckily, yeah. these are like stores. They're not like clubs. So if the music cuts off for a second, it, like it's fine. It's not like people stop dancing. They were never dancing. They were just talking. Wow. And so it was like a perfect place to train, learn, and get to mess with the high dollar equipment and stuff. It was- In like Milan. Yeah. In Milan, Florence, Rome. China three times. Were you alone? Were you traveling alone? No, it it was the whole squad. It was me and Trevor, because they had Trevor doing installations at every place where he was painting for like a week. So we hung out for like a week in every place while Trevor painted, and then I just DJed the opening. It was the funnest trip you can imagine. That was 2016, 2017. At what point did you? Well, I guess I guess this is self explanatory. You've always been in the fine art world, right? Because now we're sitting in your space, and would you say your world is fifty fifty at yeah, this point? Yeah, even I mean, even before I started making jewelry, when I was in art school, I went and ran around Houston, and I walked into every gallery, just like the greenest person you can imagine, being like, "Hey, you guys should let me throw a show. I know all these cool people, and they're all like." get out of here like you know what i mean gallery gallerists if you don't know them can be like quite weird if you're like suggesting they give you the the show or something you know and so it's just like me being so green but this one guy he when i came to do that it was at the end of the day and he was on the phone for like an hour but i waited and so then he talked to me for a while and he let me have like half the space during like his summer group show kind of to thing. To curate a show? Yeah. So I curated a show of like all these artists that I knew through concerts who were making like art for either like recording artists or like or like fashion labels or you know this that, that kind of thing. Yep. So I did that show and then through that I ended up meeting Fred Torres who was David LaChapelle's art manager okay. who's from who passed but he's from um Houston and I ended up working for De- uh for Fred Torres for like a summer after that. So I've like I've kind of been in fine art like longer or just as long as the, like they're very it's it is very like I I have a hand in each um kind of world always. And then even with the jewelry I've always made stuff with artists. So, so it's, it's So both. now you're having these shows well, first of all, right. let's back up. I'm like assuming that everyone knows what's happening. What is your gallery called now? Where Where are we now? Right. What does your life look like now? So now I got this space in Chinatown. I was living on top of 56 Henry and hanging out there like all the time. Mm-hmm. And I saw this space you know over Ellie here. Ellie was on the podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, exactly. I love Ellie. And they were they were very much like... The reason I wanted to be right here, I thought it would be so funny to like open this like art adjacent jewelry concept and be like on this little gallery row. I was so I was friends with David, Leo, Leo. like this is like where mm-hmm. I was hanging out anyway. So I thought it would be just like fun. We can like it's like going to the office, you know, the, yeah. you see your friends there or whatever. And so the, so I got the space. I had like some big jewelry gigs like fall into line. I had this money. I was like, Ugh, I'm going to get it. Like I'm not like interested in collecting money i'm going to just throw it at this space and we renovated all summer last summer i knew everyone was opening in september but i was like too i couldn't make up my mind i was being way too indecisive and i think it's for a good reason now but i i wanted like these cases in there for the jewelry and it was really just going to be this jewelry concept maybe and i would do collaborations maybe Mm -hmm. they would throw a piece of art on the wall or something but it was really about the jewelry and I couldn't make up my mind on the cases and they were going to take like months to get here and cost thousands of dollars. And I really wanted to open in September because I had just like built this perfect white box. Oh, I didn't realize this is how this happened. So this is, so then I was just like, oh, let me call Trevor. Maybe he'll like give me a couple paintings and we can just like call it an art show and like kind of, Wait I, on then, these I, then cases. I can figure out what cases right. that, and really take my time and not make a mistake and that I, that cost me thousands of dollars or whatever. And 
Trevor was like, sure, what? of course. you're, And we'll make some jewelry at the end. And like, so, you know, your paintings are really expensive. Maybe I'm not going to like have too much success, but we'll make money on the jewelry. It'll be perfect. And he was like, sure, whatever. You got to pay to ship it all and do the thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, easy. Did that. Show went so well. And we sold a lot of jewelry. So it was like this fantastic proof of concept of like what it could look like. And it was profit your first show. Yeah. And um and it, and there and it was really Trevor has like a great audience by doing all these projects with huge companies right. and stuff that it was like packed out. So wow. many kids were excited to see it. He hadn't done like a show in New York in a while. And so then it was like things just kind of started to steamroll. It was like there's this girl Talene Arslanian who's a good friend of mine. She makes jewelry as well. They come from like a diamond dealer family. Mm -hmm. And um, her brother is this fantastic artist, Vahak Arslanian. And she was like, he's about to move out of his studio. Why don't we go over there and pick stuff out and you can do a Vahak show before <laughs> he leaves. I was like, easy, let's go. And now I'm doing a second show. And it's with this really fantastic artist who's got like this crazy collector base and has like a foundation with Julian Schnabel and like this whole, like a really good, great show to have. And so that just went as fantastically or maybe even better. We started selling some work, like we sold paintings out of it and wow. stuff. So that worked out really great. And then I was like, Oh, what am I going to do next? I have no idea. So Lucy was like, why don't we do a show with Paulina? Oh, Paulina, my next door neighbor, like my friend that I go to get drinks with all the time, who is a fantastic painter as well. I was like, well, perfect. Oh my Done. God. So just like that, all of a sudden I had a gallery and I was having way too much fun to ever think about it as like a, a jewelry store again. Right. And, and I'm getting to make jewelry with each artist now in a more like regimented like schedule too. Every six weeks we're like making a collaboration. You're getting the best of both worlds. Yeah. And it was like a happy, not mistake, but you wouldn't, have, right? Like you were. It's very much like not what we set out to do, but it's actually like the most, makes the most sense. And really like, it just has worked out like so good for me. Um, I think it, you know, it, it, I'm selling like more jewelry to like different kinds of people who are really interested in art and like coming around. So I'm like, the store is working. I mean, not the store, the gallery is working to like help me sell jewelry. And then I'm selling jewelry and to people versa. who are then buying art. Like it's very much the two worlds kind of like go hand in hand or they can and they are now. So it's really like, I don't know, it worked out just flawlessly. Um, it's, it's been, uh, I've been really blessed. Yes. And right. I think that there's a common denominator in a lot of the professionals I interview. And that's just this really deep hunger and drive, you know, and it was very clear, you know, listening to you tell your story from a super young age, you know, that, that, drive was there big time and you took advantage of every opportunity whether you believe in a higher power or not i love the quote god helps those who help themselves you know right because it's that it's like yes okay you're blessed you're lucky but you're blessed and you're lucky because you've done the work and a lot of younger artists listen to this podcast and i just it's really important to make those things clear as you have because they, I, they, we all look at someone like you like, wow, this is so amazing. This is so cool. This is so lucky. Yet, you know. Sure. Exactly. I mean, 100%. It's, you really have to live it. And, and I think if you live something like really passionately and like are fully entrenched, then you if even if you weren't good to begin with maybe you'll get good but people will at least like really respect that how much energy you're putting into something or or whatnot and i think um i've been really living it over here and i think people um people recognize it and i mean living it. i lived in this gallery for the last for six months i just got an apartment Upstairs. Uh, yeah. But for the first six you months. You want a mattress back here? I threw a, a blow up down here and I crashed in the back because I was nervous to take on the bill of the gallery. 
Yeah, because what you said, you were like, okay, I'm not going to hold on to this money. I'm going to throw it at this project. Yet, you were probably like, well, I don't want to throw all of the fucking money. No, I threw every penny and I just knew I could just live it. And like, so I had an apartment. It was like, I mean, I'll just be transparent with money. It's like not that everyone should maybe or something. The apartment was like three grand Mm -hmm. and I had a larger apartment always because I had a bit of a studio and I needed an extra bedroom and place to house all the jewelry. And this place is like 3200 So it's like they're the same price. So I knew if I could, I had enough money for the renovation and the down payments and all that mm-hmm. for the space. And then if I just lived in the back, it was like my bills were the exact same as they were before, but I had a gallery. So I was so down to do that. And, and I knew eventually I would get an apartment again, but I didn't want to like have this burdensome extra bill in the beginning. Like if it was just yeah. something I was already like been managing for years then it's like whoa why this but i have all this extra opportunity right so why not do it and the and the crazy thing is i didn't have to sleep in here that much because everyone knew i was living it like that that every time someone goes out of town they were like oh stay at mine you can just like walk walk the dog or whatever you stay here he's like i was staying in like the best apartment. yeah so many i mean just i mean not always but but all my friends held it down everyone did and I rarely had to stay here, to be honest. And um, But I did quite a few times. Of course. On and, a blow up. Yeah, on a little blow up that I would blow down every night and <laughs> put it like on a cabinet so no one even knew I lived in here. Whoa. Except like... Your pe- friends. Yeah, people yeah. I trusted with that information. Yeah. Okay, so that was six months and then you made enough money to get an apartment of your own. Right. And, and I think... You know, I could have done it for like even longer, but just this really great apartment opened up right upstairs and she gave me like the best deal because I was already renting the store. I kind of just had to do it, but I would have done it longer and I thought I was going to have to do it longer, Mm -hmm. but, but things just started to fall into place. So I got the, so I got the apartment upstairs and I don't live in the back anymore. (laughs) That's awesome. As someone extremely passionate about mental health, Seeing a therapist is essential to my quality of life. We'd like to take this moment to announce how thrilled we are to partner with the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp. If you think you might be feeling anxious, depressed, or even just overwhelmed, being alone with your thoughts can be an isolating feeling. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. It's that easy. Join the two million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. And just for the Art Career podcast listeners, we will offer 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash T-A-C. That's better, B-E-T-T-E-R, help, H-E-L-P, dot com slash T-A-C. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring the Art Career podcast. Would you consider, like, thinking back, did you have any business experience? Like, before you, you went to art school, was there, similar to me, I didn't, I mean, I didn't take one business course in undergrad, you know, or grad school, and I really had to, had to be like a self-taught journey for me. And you're just, you know, it's so for me, it's been learn as I go. And sometimes that sucks for you. You know, you've always, from the very beginning, you've been kind of like wheeling and dealing from a business perspective and figuring out loopholes and, you know, all the things Mm -hmm. that make Yeah. Doing jewelry just is inherently a business versus like an uh, even if you treat it like an art practice, there it's just based around commerce. So I've I have been like having to figure out business since since art school, basically. Yeah. But um, no, I don't have any like training. I'm I'm very blessed in that like both my parents are entrepreneurs. They are. Yeah. Well, my mom now works for an entrepreneur as his bookkeeper. 
she does my books as well, actually. But um, for a long time, her and my dad owned just like these really small businesses, local businesses. They were like making these little papers and selling advertisement on them and nice. like small little areas in outside Houston. Okay. And, um, and they did that because they, I have a brother who has like severe disabilities. And so they really liked working out of the house. They didn't want to like have to like put him somewhere and like them have to go like, so they built their life around being able to work from home. And so I've always seen my parents deal with like the problems of owning a small business, like tight money, not, these aren't like big business, like being an entrepreneur doesn't uh, probably most of the time doesn't mean you're rich. You know what I mean? No, it means you're free. It doesn't mean you're rich. Right. So I don't know that I could have, ever really been too successful working for someone else because all I've ever seen my whole life is my parents working for themselves. But, and I just seen them like figure it out. You just work all night and you just figure it out. So it's like not, you don't need so much training. You just need to like be able to be a problem solver. And just so you learn things as you go. I'm still learning things constantly. Oh my God. Like I We all are. Yeah. So it's really like, I don't know how necessary it would be. Like, I think like at a certain point, it's, it'd be so nice to like have, you know, some of those skills or, or when I've, I always have been a bit jealous of people like, um, even someone like, um, like an Ellie Rhines or something who's worked at large galleries before. So yeah. they've seen how they do yeah. things. They've seen how like, just invoicing works, just I how know. like emailing work, do it. Like, and, but I've, but I just figured it out, and I and and I'll tell you one of the reasons I figured it out is I just go ask Ellie at like twenty questions a day. I'm like, Ellie, Ellie and Era have like helped me. I was I didn't I didn't even do a press release or like a checklist for the first couple of shows, and they finally are like, let's get you set up. Yeah, well, yeah. Like- <laughs> I mean, the best thing that we can do is ask other people advice, uh-huh. right? I do it, and I think being successful, all I mean, especially in our industry, it's like feeling comfortable enough. Everyone always assumes everyone knows what the hell they're doing all the time and no one knows what they're doing until they do. Right. Right. And so it's like, and the only way to find out what to do is to find out what to do by Uh asking. And oftentimes asking is a hell of a lot easier than doing all the research and learning it all, you know? And it's, it's being okay with that vulnerability to be like, I don't know this. You do. Can you help me? You know? Right. And I've always been very comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. I think that's very much like one of, uh, you can, it could be like a superpower to just be very like, I don't know if confident is the right word, but like uh, able to like just ask and yeah. like not be like, oh, what if they're going to, they're going to think I'm so dumb or whatever, you know, like I've been doing that with the jewelry since day one. So, and I, so it's, it's been very easy for me to just ask a lot of questions. I am like conscious of other people's time, obviously, and you have to be, do it in like a super respectful way, but like pretty much, especially like on Henry street and stuff, I can, I can ask anyone anything over here and everyone is so excited to lend a a helping hand, to be honest. Yeah. And I think, I, I think I've found that too, you know, in my career, it's like people genuinely like to help. And I like to help when people reach out. And of course, we have to be respectful of other people's time. But yeah, I totally am on the same page. And I really do. I want to like drive this home. It's so, so important to be able to ask for help. Yeah. Across the board in life, right? Like, whether it's career, personal, whatever it is. Um, we're in this together. We're not solitary beings, you know, like we depend on community. A hundred percent. And I think most people who are, you know, really living out what they're trying to do and really like fully immersed in it, there's not a lot of like, you can't like you know, no, there's no reason to like gatekeep because everyone's doing their own thing. Like if someone's, if there is like some kind of, you know, copying or like maybe that person's not really living it or something. So it's like amongst like people really doing what they want in their own way. And like that, like it's, there's no competition. So there's no like 
need to gatekeep or do any of that. And I feel like in the past, if I've been a gatekeeper, when I let go and I'm like, I don't, I I don't care. Here are my secrets. This is what I'm doing. You know, it, it ultimately, cause there's so, there's enough for everyone at the end of the day. Right. And, um, whether that's, money, ideas, brands, whatever. Uh, So I think that's – because it's scary, you know, being your own business owner too in the beginning. You're like – you almost feel like you have to gatekeep, you know? And I don't – when I figured out that that wasn't the case was when I started to become more successful, you know? So I think that's kind of a cool lesson too for for people that are going out on their own. Right. So ultimately from the beginning of this podcast we focus sometimes on mental health. Mhm. How is your mental health? Have you ever struggled with anything? Is there, you know, because I think here's here's why I asked this. We at the art career are interviewing, you know, in my opinion, some of the smartest, most creative people in the world, right? The people that are making moves right now. And so I think it's also really important to talk about, you know, vulnerability and what has either helped or gotten in the way of that over the course of your career. Sure. Um, Yeah, I I have. I go... I see a psychiatrist currently. I have for the years. I I'm al- I'm also like the most happy I've ever been in my whole life right now. So it's like looking back on those moments when I was very depressed or dealing with things seems like foreign to me at this exact moment, but I've been there. I've and I and I continue to like actively go to therapy and stuff to to stay like as happy as I am. But, um, so I don't know. I think everything, everyone's different and, um, and whatnot, but I, I think everyone deals with some of that stuff. Some people, you know, are more open than others about it or whatever, but I, yeah, I've had, I've had serious like moments, you know, and I still deal with a bit of anxiety and whatnot. But, um, I think for me, a lot of times when I'm, feeling overwhelmed or which can lead to like me kind of like you know partying too much or like kind of like putting those things to the side that are overwhelming me or something so a lot of times that's very self um it's it's like brought on by myself like so i'm conscious of that and i try and just like do my best because if I do my best, then I don't have like the most things to be anxious about. But when I start like getting a little crazy or something and not doing that can just lead to like a, so that, I guess that's like the only real tidbit that I have that's worked for me is to just try and like really mm-hmm. be proactive mm-hmm. instead of letting things pile up. So maybe that's helpful i don't know it's kind no. of common sense but it, no it, it's, it's not I you mean, put you still just you, everyone knows how to do everything but but it's you don't all the time mm-mm. so you kind of have to remind yourself or something yeah and i find you know for myself too it's it's in the past when i have let those things pile up not been self-aware and kind of chosen to put them to the side is when all of a sudden from someone who struggles with anxiety, you know, all of a sudden you're like, fuck, right? And you're drowning and it's not going to be something you can pull yourself out of in a week, right? Right. And so this concept of doing our best, yeah, sometimes our best means having like a day of self-care. Sometimes our best means like, do you need to go out for the third night in a row? Sometimes our best means like, okay, these are the people that I should be connecting with more than these people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes our best is like, okay, I need to at least do X, Y, and Z every day. Right. Whether that is, you're not gonna, we're not going to move mountains every single day, right? But to do like a little bit every day. A hundred percent. And I think uh, one of the main things that for me personally 
was affect like during COVID, like being so isolated and stuff was very affecting to me. And, um, and I think I've always been someone who very much like needs community around them, like in a major way. And I think some of that has to do with like my brother not being, being able to communicate like, and so I don't have any other siblings. So it's kind it's of like just a, you and him. Yeah. So okay. I think it, that was always like a bit of a struggle for me, like just the tease of like having this like best friend of a brother in your dream world or something. And then him just like having his, you know, um, being so involved with what he's got going on that it, he just doesn't communicate. He can't. So it's like a, it was I think that was very treacherous for me when I was younger. And I really strive for like brotherhood and community and. So I think in the in the same way, just like when I said I was like living on top of 56 and and always hanging out on this block like I need. So that's why it was so alluring to have this spot. It's like because I do work by myself. I don't have any employees here. It's it's completely just me. It's very like a a single person's endeavor. And but now when I get bored, I just like go around the corner and go like have a beer with Leo or I go like. I go to uh, 105 Henry and me and Era go buy like a bunch of scratch offs. And um, yeah. so it's just like, I need, I need community for me to be as happy as I am right now and to maintain that. So I think, you know, I think I'm sure other people feel the same way. So that's, that's important for me to make sure that it is v- like, I'm, I'm very much in for me to be, as happy as I am right now. And isn't it crazy? I'm sure you can relate to this. I do too. Mm-hmm. And when things get dark for me, it's when it's not there that much, right? Like it's yeah. almost like you forget that you need it as much as you do. And then it comes back and you're like, oh, this is my medicine. Like, this is actually, and, you know, it's hard when we're in tough places to reach out and have the community and want to actually be. But I I do find that the times in life where I am communicating on a daily basis with as many of my loved ones as possible mm-hmm. are the happiest times in my life and the most productive, you know? Yeah, that's why they put people in jail. It's to torture them. You know, to take you away from your loved ones and stuff. So it's very, it's like, it's science. We all need it on some level, some more than others. But like, yeah, so it's, I, I, I need it immensely. And so, and I have it right now. And I, I really appreciate it. Well, it looks like you do have it. So what's next, Will, here? What, what do you have up right now? I don't want to, I don't know that I want to say what's next yet because it's, I'm really excited about the next shows. Um, well, I it's not immediately next. So this show I have up right now has been such a joy to have. It's Lucy Charlesworth Freeman, one of my best friends in New York, and it's her first show. It's 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 been really exciting to see her be like so empowered by the success of this show and being like, oh my god, I'm ready to like make more. And she's getting into these group shows she's so excited about and trying to figure out something for LA for her. Like she's just like full, full on now, like pumped and ready to go. And it's like, sure, we like made money and sold the works and stuff, but it's like, it's been really exciting to see someone get so turned up after like the success of their first show. And so that's, that's what's up right now. And it's going to be up through June 4th is like the proper close date, but we've started to talk. I think we're going to extend a couple weeks just because it's been so good. And we're going into summer and whatnot. And so over here during the summer, I'm actually going to kind of like pause a little bit. Everyone here closes in August for the whole month, essentially. The art world shuts down in August. So it's like people, you know, there's like one more slot where people will do a summer group show or something or a solo show. And I just, um, I didn't, like all the artists that I'm, getting ready to show in the fall, winter and spring are so heavy. I I didn't want any of them to just have like this weird summer slot show. So we're just going to do, I'm going to do like pop-ups with like these different brands that I've always made jewelry with and stuff, just little like things and be closed like most of the summer. And it's going to be so relaxing. (laughs) It's going to be so nice. After um, 
renovating all summer last like everyone was like in Italy Ugh. and Hamptons and stuff and I was just like sitting here renovating this whole in place the heat. exactly so I'm really excited to like go to the beach and stuff this where do summer. you where are you going this summer well I know I'm working with this artist in the in the next um later this year end of the year kind of thing artist Brent Richardson mm-hmm and he's in a show at the ranch this summer. So I'm definitely going to go out there for that. Nice. And that'll be really fun. He's got a cool house out there. We're going to go surfing and stuff. You have to come visit me upstate. I'd love to. I'd love to. You know, just really kind of enjoy it. And But I, I have the whole fall, winter, and spring booked already. And I want to keep it a little bit of a secret because I'm just so excited yeah, about it. I don't want it to, like, linger around. I just want it to, like blow up on people whenever it happens and um it I'll, I'll tell you something like off off mic or something but it's i'm so excited for the next season you have no idea it's like i could feel i mean we walked to get tea before and i could feel your energy and excitement and it's contagious you really are in a moment right now will and it's so cool Thank to you. see what you're doing and um you know, become friends and colleagues with you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for offering me the opportunity. It's really a a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Art Career. If you get value from this podcast, please consider helping me make more of these episodes by becoming an Art Career Premium member at theartcareer.supercast.com. That's theartcareer.supercast, S-U-P-E-R-C-A-S-T.com. And please don't forget to rate and review. Every rating counts. Thanks so much.